0: Really interesting. I've been a pastor for... I want to know, 15, 17, I don't know, I lose track. And time and time again, I, I get up, and many preachers have experienced this. We preach a sermon, and then afterwards, people come up and say, "I feel like that message was for me. And on one hand, I talked about this last week and the week before, but I want to remind all of us that if you've ever experienced that, there's a theological truth behind it. In fact, let me ask those in the room and, you know, many join us online, if you've ever, whether it's Bel Air, another church, you've listened to a podcast, if you've ever heard a sermon and at the end of it you just felt, that was for me, could you just put your hand up in the air? Keep those hands up. Look around the room. Look around the room. From beginning to end, Scripture says that is the Holy Spirit. In fact, in a moment, I'm going to preach a, I think I'm going to preach a message uh, on Acts chapter two, verses one through forty-one, and I also realize that here I am about to preach a sermon on the Holy Spirit. And as I get into this sermon, you might uh, realize why quickly. I as a preacher have to be open to what the Holy Spirit wants to do. So I have no idea what's going to happen today. Hallelujah, right? Uh, But before I get in the sermon, I need to have a Bible study with you. Can we do that together? Just a five-minute Bible study. So this is like pre-sermon. This is the biggest Bible study I've ever led. Uh, there's some online. Before we get on, let me. I've got to lead a Bible study just for a moment before I get to the sermon. And however much of the sermon I get to, uh, you know, if the Holy Spirit cuts me off, which if you're a guest, you're like, what is this place? What a, this is weird. Like, what's happening? Or if you've been here for a while and me preach, you're like, Drew, what's going on here? Uh, let me just say, if I don't get to um, the same content that I covered in the 9 o'clock service, We're going to try to make it possible for our 9 a.m. sermon to be online as well. And you can go and check that out after the fact. So let's have a Bible study for five minutes. If you would, this is not the sermon, but would you go to John 14, verses 16 and 17. If you have a red book in front of you, it's our pew Bible. It's our gift to you. If you don't have a Bible in your life, please take it. Allow it to speak truth and love and hope. Bible study time. Some of you take notes at Bible study paper, pen. Uh, What page is it on? 877 in our Red Pew Bibles. If you've got, you know, a different color Bible, that can be confusing for some of us. John 14, 16 and 7. Let me just read this to you and I'll I'll stop along the way. Church, you ready for Bible study? Okay. Verse 16, this is Jesus speaking before his death. Before his burial, before his resurrection, before his ascension of the right hand of the Father, before he pours out the Holy Spirit to his believers, he says, verse 16, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another. Can I hear you say another? Okay, in the English language, we have one word for another, and it's another. In the Greek language, there are two Greek words for Another. The first one is aulos. Can I hear you say aulos? Aulos. That means another of the same kind. So if I've got a whole bunch of oranges and I ask you for another orange, that is an aulos kind of another. There's another Greek word for another. And it's heteros. Can I hear you say heteros? That's another of a different kind. So if I had a bunch of oranges, and all you had in your hand was an apple, and I said, can I have another fruit? It would be another fruit, but it's of a different kind. Right here, it's alos, when Jesus says, I'm going to ask the Father, and the Father is going to give another of the same kind of what? What does it say? Advocate, some translations say. Shout it out. What are some words that you have? Helper. Comforter. Counselor. Teacher. Courager. A lot of different English words for this one Greek word. It's the word paraclete. Can I hear you say paraclete? Two words mashed together. Para means alongside. And kaleo is a verb to call out, to call forth. So, when you put those two words together, it gives this magnificent word picture of one who comes alongside and calls out who Christ longs for you to be, who calls out courage, who calls out hope, who calls out peace, who calls out joy. Uh, Advocate is a legal term. It's one who stands beside you and defends you against your enemies, sometimes defends you against your negative thoughts about yourself. This image is also one of which in which you are running a race, like physical running race, and you're exhausted, and you're tired, and you're ready to give up, and one who comes alongside you and says, you can do this one step at a time, we can make it, we're almost there, you know, a hundred feet, if you're Anthony Zimitti, a hundred more miles, you know, we're almost there, we can do it. It's this one who comes alongside. There is a, um, an African language that gives this image of when you fall down and you're emotionally, physically, spiritually, relationally, financially in a heap on the floor, the paraclete is the one who comes and lays on the ground beside you and speaks hope and love, and peace, and joy, and strength, and grace, and power, and says let's get up together. Bible study, I'm not preaching yet. When Jesus says, I'm going to have the Father give another of the same kind of paraclete, when I've got oranges and I ask for another orange, another of the same kind, it means there's more than one. So when Jesus is saying, I'm going to ask the Father, and the Father is going to give another of the same kind of helper, encourager, comforter, teacher, paraclete, it means that there's more than just one of those. What? What's the other one? At least Is there more than two? Is it, scripture answers it. Bible study here. Would you turn to 1 John chapter 2? It's towards the end of your Bible before the book of Revelation. Same author, many decades later, after writing the gospel according to John, writes 1st and 2nd and 3rd John. And he says this What page is it on in your Pew Bibles? 989. Let me get to it. 1st John 2, verse 1. Bible study still, not preaching. This sets the stage. So John uh, is speaking. He says, my little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate, a paraclete, a comforter, encourager, a helper, teacher, guide, one who comes alongside you, who... Is at your defense at the ready, who comes alongside you while you're running, who speaks words of encouragement, who, when you fall, lays down next to you. And who is that one? Jesus Christ! The gospel writer John, the author of 1 John, uses the same word to describe two persons God the Son and God the Spirit. And it's so important for us to understand, in this little Bible study here, that when Jesus says, uh, my father is going to send another of the same kind of helper, encourager, teacher, guide, friend, he's basically saying, disciples, you've lived with me for three years. I've encouraged you. I've counseled you. I've, I've encouraged you. I've picked you up. I've emboldened you. I've sent you out. I've led you to truth. I'm going to die. I'm going to defeat death. I'm going to raise to the glory of the right hand of the Father, and I'm going to pour out something to you that you already know. That which you've experienced with me, Jesus is saying, you will experience with this advocate. In John 14, it goes on to say the Holy Spirit. Now, I've got to say right from the get-go before I start preaching that the Holy Spirit is not a force, it's not like this ethos, it's not a vibe, it's not spiritual caffeine. The Holy Spirit is a person. And I can't preach without saying that first and foremost. Because everything that I'm about to say, if you think that it is, you know, Yoda-esque, or it's this, you know, energy vibe that pervades everything, this inanimate force, it will lead your mind in a very different direction. Again, quickly, just a short little Bible study. If you take a look at all of Scripture, we're going to understand that uh, the Spirit of God, the Spirit of the Lord, the Spirit of Christ, the Spirit of wisdom, the Spirit of grace, the Holy Spirit are one and the same. In fact, throughout all Scripture, It describes, verse after verse, that the Holy Spirit has the characteristics of a person. It talks about the Holy Spirit thinking and feeling and choosing. Verses throughout the Bible talk about the Holy Spirit having actions like a person, teaching, giving guidance, comforting, even speaking audible words. A vibe can't speak audible words. This pervading, you know, consciousness can't can't speak words. It's a person. Uh, the Holy Spirit is treated as a person. Some passages refer to people lying to the Holy Spirit. You can't lie to a vibe or an ethos or this synergistic thing. Uh, there's verses that talk about you can disobey the spirit. In fact, you can listen. To the Spirit. The doctrine of the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit, is three persons in one. They're too one to be three, and yet they're too three to be one. It's powerfully mysterious. It's a community. And yet it's one. There's a distinctiveness about them. It's not like God the Father changes into God the Son, leaving God the Father non-existent, and then changing into God the Spirit. They are three persons that coexist. Don't even think of it as two persons, God the Father, God the Son, and this energy field that kind of binds it together. It is three persons. Okay, ready? Bible study done. Acts 2. Would you hear these words. I'm not going to read all the way through verse 41. I'm simply going to read Acts chapter 2 verses 1 through 4. You can read 5 through 41 at your leisure today. Acts chapter 2 verses 1 through 4. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place, Gave them ability. This, my friends, is the reading of God's Word. Well, I've planned to give you four points today. We'll see if I get to the four points. And the four points are, and many of you take notes, the source of the Spirit, two, the scope of the Spirit, three, the service of the Spirit, and four, the size of the Spirit. Let's take a look at the source. If you would, go back to Acts chapter 2, verse 1. It says, when the day of Pentecost had come. Uh, just briefly, let me tell you that Pentecost uh, is a religious festival in the nation of Israel. It was actually, at the time, a larger festival than even Passover. Uh, every Jewish uh, person would rest from their work. And on that, uh, that festival, which is also, also referred to as the week of weeks, A week is seven. A week of weeks, seven times seven, 49. After 49 days, they would have that week of weeks festival. It's also known as the festival of the first fruits. Jewish commentators say that that same festival day on the calendar was the exact same day, many, 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 hundreds of years before that, God gave the nation of Israel the Ten Commandments off of Mount Sinai. Same day on the calendar. Uh, Many uh, commentators say that it's also the same day that God gave the covenant of peace through Noah hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years earlier. You think about days in a calendar year that have meaning, that have significance. This was one of them. This was not a random day on the day that many Jewish commentators believe was a day that reminds us that there is peace that is louder than anything else, on a day that reminds us that God's desire for us and law and how to live and how to love is more significant than any other way of life, uh, on the day where it is about first fruits, giving back to God that which God has given us, it was on this day that it says, take a look in verse one. They were all together in one place. In verse two, and suddenly from heaven. If you have your Bibles underlined, from heaven. If you have a red pew Bible, it's okay. Grab a pencil highlighter, underline that from heaven. That is the source of the spirit. This is not something that bubbles up within. This is not reaching into yourself and drawing forth uh, an energy, a force field, something of your consciousness just being awakened. The source of the Spirit of God is from God's self. And there's this gift that is given to the early believers on that day, and it was the presence of the person, the Holy Spirit. And all throughout Scripture, we see this this spirit resting upon people in the Hebrew Scriptures, and it would rest upon people and it would go away. And for the first time in the history of humanity, the Spirit of God fell upon a group of people and it stayed. And we have to understand that the source of that is from God. And the language here is from heaven. What about the scope? Second point, the scope of the Spirit. Now when I say scope, I'm talking about the uh, the physical space, the extent of which the Spirit can operate, can move, can act. Take a look. It says here, it says in the second half of verse 2, it filled the entire house where they were sitting. In this case, the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, Filled a place before it filled people. We can't leapfrog over this profoundly significant truth that the Spirit of God can move into places, it can saturate geographical areas. Uh, one of the most significant uh, experiences of, actually let, let me ask a question. How many of you have ever walked into uh, a sanctuary, a, a worship service, maybe, uh, maybe somewhere where there was gathered worship, and you would say that you knew that there, it, it felt like the presence of God was there? How many of you, show of hands, have ever experienced it? Look around the room. Okay. Now, how many of you have ever walked into a place, uh, it can even be a church building, Uh, It could be, you know, in a gathering. It could be outside of a church building. How many of you have ever been into a place where it it felt like there was an absence of the presence of God, an absence of the Holy Spirit? I've experienced that too. Let me, brief story, let me tell you of how I experienced this in a really profound way, uh, both sides of the extreme. I was in Africa, uh, in Uganda, and we were going door-to-door sharing our faith, and this happened to be at a place in East Africa where there was uh, a profound a group of pilgrims who would come to a witch doctor. And it was the capital of witchcraft in East, East Africa. And I cannot describe it other than this. It was as if when we walked that village, it felt like there was the absence of the Holy Spirit, is the only way I can describe it, and the presence of a whole bunch of other spirits. And it was heavy, and it was dark, and I don't know what your experiences have been, but I do not wish that experience on anyone. Now, I'm going door to door, and, this, this, and some of you have heard the story. I can tell in more detail after the service. This woman comes down uh, and begins speaking to us, and, and all of us just got this bad, just bad feeling. And whenever I'm in another country, I tell, people's, uh, tell people when I meet them that my name is Andrew. Because Drew, for some uh, languages, is, is just, there, there's, no, there's no context for it. Andrew is a much more common uh, name in other parts of the world than Drew is. It's also my middle name. And so you're like, what? Weird parents. <laughs> Your name's Drew Andrew? Weird, you know? <laughs> Actually, my name's David. And the gasp from the choir this morning, it was as if, like, I mean, it was like, you know, living a lie my whole life, you know, uh, for them. My name is actually David Andrew Sams, and before I was even born, my parents referred to me as Drew. And so, uh, I basically, short of the story is I had this experience, and, you know, people call me Andrew, 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 and this woman comes up, and in the midst of everything, I tell you the story later, she says, David. And it was as if all the oxygen on the planet got sucked out. It was as if you hit rewind on... uh, uh, What's the movie? Wizard of Oz, thank you. You were in the nine, you know. Uh, know, I'm like overwhelmed by the memory of this experience. It was like you hit rewind and it went from technicolor to black and white. Literally, it was like everything sucked out. And the things that she began to say to me in the power of another spirit, I don't want to give it airtime here, but here's what I want to give airtime to, that I responded in the name of Jesus Christ by the power of the Spirit, and we began to pray, we began to lay hands on her, and I got to tell you, it was as if we fast-forwarded uh, the Wizard of Oz, and all of a sudden Technicolor came back in, it was as if... Uh, An oxygen mask was put on planet Earth and oxygen filled back in and peace invaded where there was fear. Hope invaded where there was hopelessness. And immediately the presence of God was experienced in such a profound way and she went off screaming sadly. Jason, when you walked on the campus today, you said that you felt something. It's the Holy Spirit in this place. And as a community, we can be a community. Before we talk about being ourselves filled with the Spirit, we can show up and we can pray and we can say, Spirit of God, fill this place. And not just fill this place. We can go into our homes, our apartments, our condos and say, fill this place. We can go into our workplaces and say, fill this place. We can go into... The doctor's office. We can go into a job interview. We can go into these moments in life where we have so much fear and we can say, Holy Spirit, fill this place. Fill this place. Fill this place. The scope of the Holy Spirit longs to fill the cosmos. And yet it seems to be throughout Scripture that there's an invitation and an openness that's needed for the Spirit to come and to fill. A place They had been, if you remember from last week, they had been locked in an upper room, constantly devoted to prayer. And that was the context in which they were opening themselves up to the Spirit of God to come and dwell in their midst. But then take a look. Verse 3, Divided tongues as of fire appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. Them. The scope of the Holy Spirit isn't just this animating or even a personal thing that fills places, it fills people. And you'll read throughout there, and you're going to hear it week after week as we go through the book of Acts, that the person of the Holy Spirit has come to reside, to dwell in, to inhabit, to live, to thrive in you and in me. And when we have an openness to the Spirit coming into our lives, Scripture says that the Spirit will come in and will permanently reside. We don't have to live in fear that the Holy Spirit is going to to leave us if we have put our faith genuinely in Jesus Christ. And yet, and we'll get to it in a moment, there is this sense that as we open ourselves up to the Spirit, there are moments, there are seasons for God's purposes where the Spirit of God literally will fill us even more. We'll get to that in a moment. But let's take a look at, thirdly, the service of the Holy Spirit. There's so many lists online. If you want to go afterwards and, you know, go into your search engine and look up, you know, characteristics of the Holy Spirit or ministry of the Holy Spirit or activities or verses about the Holy Spirit, I encourage you to do a deeper dive, a deeper study. I made my own list of ten things that the Holy Spirit uh, does in acts of service to God's people. But I want this to be a little participatory, so I'm going to ask you to either nod your head or raise your hands or even at one point to stand. Uh, You know, I know we're in a church, and I know that many join us online, and I know that we have, in this amazing opportunity, people who have put their faith and trust in Jesus gathered here, and there's people who are exploring, there's people who have not yet put their faith and trust in Jesus, and and I love the diversity of that in this room. But show of hands, how many of you would say that you have made a personal decision to make Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, that you have put your faith and trust in Him? So a lot of hands in the room. Okay. The Holy Spirit in John 16, 14 through 15, was the one responsible for leading you to Jesus. The reason why every single one of you could raise your hand is because the Holy Spirit, the person, God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit, came to you and led you to Jesus. There's other passages that say that no one can say Jesus is Lord unless it's the Spirit that enables them to do so. Huge. Uh, D.L. Moody, anybody heard that name before? D.L. Moody? Some people say he's like the greatest evangelist who ever lived. You know what he said? He says, The Holy Spirit is the greatest evangelist who ever lived. That's the role of the Holy Spirit to lead people to Christ. Uh, how many of you would say that you've ever read scripture and you've read a passage and you're like, Ooh. Well, that's a little convicting. How many of you have ever had that in their experience like I yeah, you but know, every yeah, okay. Uh, John sixteen eight says that it's the Holy Spirit that enables us to see ourselves accurately in light of a holy God. How many of you, you've already raised your hands, you, you've said, okay, I, you know, I put my faith and trust in Jesus. Did you know that in that moment, whether you felt it or not, that spiritually speaking, you in that moment became a new creation. You were uh, born again. You are now adopted into God's family. And uh, I, I want you to know that it was the Holy Spirit, according to Titus 3.5, that gave you that new life, that gave you that new birth. It was the Holy Spirit that actually did that work. How many of you would say that maybe it's in a life group, in times of prayer, in, in gathered worship, maybe it's alone reading Scripture, maybe it's, a, you know, in, in a sermon you're listening to on a podcast? How many of you would say that you've ever, show of hands, that you feel like you've had experiences where you knew that you were drawing closer to God? You've had those experiences. You know what it says? First John 4.12 is that that's the Holy Spirit drawing you closer to God. That's the service of the Holy Spirit. How many of you, show of hands, have went to pray and you didn't know how to pray? Yes, I can write. Romans 8, 26 and 27 says this, the Holy Spirit intercedes on your behalf when you don't even know how to pray. In those moments where you go to God in prayer and you don't know what to pray and you don't have the words, Scripture says that the person, the the, the Spirit of God, is actually praying on your behalf. And this is where the the dual advocate, the the advocate of the Holy Spirit and the advocate that is Jesus Christ, there's other passages that say that Jesus at the right hand of the Father is interceding on our behalf. The parakaleo, the one alongside you who calls out, who advocates for you, who cheers you on, even when you don't even know how to do it. He is calling out to Jesus the right hand of the Father. They are having a conversation with one another. It blows my mind to even consider the significance of this in all the times where I don't know how to pray. The Spirit of God is interceding for us on our behalf. You know, it's fascinating. Scripture also says that it is through the power of the Holy Spirit, that the 66 books of the Bible were brought together, though written by human hands, over 1,500 years, over 40 human authors, it was the Spirit of God that spoke all of those things into existence. How many of you would you say that when you've read Scripture, that it felt alive, it felt like it was speaking into your, You look at those hands, Anthony, you know, you're in this right now with every foot up right now. Scripture says that is the Holy Spirit leading you to truth the Holy Spirit leading you to the things that God wants to reveal in your life. In 1 Thessalonians 1.5, it says that it is the Holy Spirit that anoints you with the power, with the energy to do God's work. Remember last week and the week before, I defined energy, the Encyclopedia Britannica definition. It is the capacity to do work. We're going to see the work of the Holy Spirit, the work of the church all throughout the book of Acts. Scripture says that it is the Holy Spirit that gives us the energy, the ability to do the things that we can't do on our own. So there's like 50 verses in Scripture that talk about the one another, the one another's of Scripture, to pray for one another, to encourage one another, to confess our brokenness to one another, to carry one another's burdens. Scripture says that we can't do that activity on our own. And yet, it's the Holy Spirit that gives us the power to do so. It's the Holy Spirit that enables us to have that difficult conversation. It's the Holy Spirit that enables us to finally forgive somebody that we've held a resentment to for decades. It's the Holy Spirit that that energizes us, that, that, that empowers us to share our faith, to give a reason for the hope that was within us. It's the Holy Spirit, alive and active who is also there at the creation of the cosmos, the scripture says now dwells in you and wants to give you an energy that would detonate to the ends of the earth for God's kingdom. Now finally, as I said in John 14, 16, it is this image of the Holy Spirit being the one that comes alongside you, the one who encourages you, the one who comforts you, the one who meets you in your afflictions. I've had some of you raise your hands. I've had some of you nod, you know, and kind of reflect. I'm going to sit for a second so I can do this with you. You know, Scripture says that there's moments in our life where we experience, whether it's grief, loss, affliction, despair... Scripture says that in those moments, and maybe some of us can really relate to this image, that some of us in those moments, whether we're in it or we've experienced it, it literally feels like we're a heap on the floor. That parakaleo is the one that comes beside you, that lays down next to you, that speaks love and truth and hope and peace and joy and courage and truth. Truth like Romans eight twenty-eight and 29, that God works together all things for good, them who He's called according to His purposes. Speaks truth like Jesus saying that I always have the last word. Words of truth like my peace I give to you. If any of you have ever experienced at any moment in your life, whether it's loss of a job, of a dream, of a person, and you you can look back and you can say, God met me in the midst of that, and I know it to be true, would you stand up? And I want you to look around this room. The biblical word is you've just testified to the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. You've just given glory to, you've just given witness to a God who came personally as the Holy Spirit who met you in the midst of it. Now, here's what's amazing, and this is, this is where it takes courage, this is where it takes Holy Spirit power. 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and 2 and 3 says this. But there's a God who is the God of all compassion and comfort, who comforts you in your time of affliction, your time of trouble. You are standing because you are saying that you've experienced that. You are here giving witness to the fact that that 2 Corinthians truth has happened through the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, that passage goes on and it says you've Receive that love, you've received that comfort, you've received that compassion, you've received the Holy Spirit to to meet you, to come alongside you, to empower you, to give you peace, to give you hope, so that when somebody else is in grief, the Holy Spirit in you can give that same care, that same compassion, that
1: same love
0: to them. That is the ministry of the Holy Spirit in and through you. Amen to that. And that gave so much hope to me when I lost my brother to an accidental drug overdose at the age of 18. When I began to experience somehow God meeting me in the midst of that in such profound and powerful and comforting and joyous ways... That somehow God has even used that, the comfort that He gave me in that, to just simply be a presence. Sometimes it's not even words, sometimes it's just a presence. And I had a conversation with Jason Powers yesterday. Many of you know Jason, an amazing man. His daughter's part of our church. Not all of you know this, but he suddenly lost his wife this week. Iris and Meredith lost their mom this week. Absolute tragedy. He said to me, there's no place he'd rather be than here with his church, sitting in the seat that Sarah sits. And I love the truth, and I want you to hear this, that because she put her faith and trust in Jesus Christ, that the Spirit of God that enabled her to worship her King, worship Jesus, worship her Savior, was a seal, a promise, a a down payment to the fact that she is now in the presence of God. And she has defeated death and she is joyous in the presence of the one that she spent most of her life worshiping. But we're on this side of eternity. And my sermon's done because I want us to be the church. And 2 Corinthians chapter 1 says, if we, standing, have received comfort and compassion, then we should share it with those that are in grief. And so... I would love if you would step out in faith and if you would simply walk over and if you would just surround this family. And I'm going to ask one person, Fiona Gonshok, to pray. Can we do that, church? So we're going to get up and we're going to come on over here. And I talked to Jason about this yesterday. And he said, Please, I would want this. I would love this.
1: Abba, Father, you are our King. You are our Father. You are our friend. You are with us wherever we are, Lord. Father, I just lift up to you Jason and Iris and Meredith. And Lord, I just ask for your Holy Spirit to put a hedge of protection. Give them a bubble. Give them a bubble this week, this month, this year, for the next years to come, Lord. That nothing that isn't from you would come and hinder them. That nothing that isn't from you would come and tell them that they can't, or they shouldn't, or that they should be scared. Nothing, Lord, that comes of those words is from you, Father. Lord, I just lift up to you their hearts. I lift up to you these precious baby girls who look so beautiful just like their mama did. And I just ask, Lord, that their smiles remind each other of their beautiful Sarah, Mama, and that everybody else would be able to smile, remembering that heaven is for real and that we will be able to smile with Sarah again sooner than we think, Lord. Our time is so tick, 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 and you are already there waiting for us with arms wide open, Lord. Sarah is perfect and Sarah is whole, and we praise you for that. And Jesus, I ask that they would step every day and every hour that comes next, knowing that you are upholding them, that you are filling them up, that you are strengthening them, Lord. Jason can do this. You made him this way. You knew his story, you knew my story, Lord. Father, look at this family surrounding him. I lift up to you every single person here, whether it's with a hug, a high five, or a prayer from far away, Lord. I ask that you would um, let Jason feel your spirit through him and that you would use him sooner than later to once again uplift someone else and make it his turn in the ripple effect that we have of who you made us to be, Father. It's in your son's name we ask this. Amen.
0: say that the size of the Holy Spirit is big enough to fill the entire planet, big enough to fill this place, big enough to fill each of our hearts. And it seems to me that, that when we are open, when we are inviting, the Holy Spirit fills us in a profoundly, profoundly rich way. I love how Scripture says that we grieve, and yet we grieve unlike the rest of the world because we grieve with hope. These two truths that commingle together. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you that you were here. You tell us in Scripture that we're two or more are gathered in your name, Jesus. You are in our midst. The Holy Spirit, come. Fall afresh, fill this place, fill our hearts, fill our lives fill our emotions, fill our will, fill our choices in such a profound way that you get all the glory. Spirit, do a work that only you can do.